When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back. So I want to take some time today to talk about the Federal Reserve and some of their market operations that have been taking place just in the last couple of days that are honestly making me wonder if something major is happening in the markets right now that is really causing the Federal Reserve to panic. And I want to talk about why that's the case. But before I get to that, a quick message. You know, I feel like in many ways my podcast and and myself and so many other YouTube channels, so many other podcasts are sort of in a constant battle with YouTube and with other large uh, companies that that host these these podcasts, these videos, to have our voice heard, whether it's through more overt and more purposeful, I don't want to use the word suppression, but sometimes suppression or just not suggesting videos, whatever you want to call it, suggesting podcasts, or if it's just the algorithm as a whole. You know, I feel that in many ways, my channel, my podcast oftentimes will struggle, not necessarily because you guys aren't interested in what I'm putting out, but because of the the algorithm that, that YouTube uh, decides to to work up. And the best way to to fight that is not through me changing a whole lot in terms of content. There's stuff I can do. I can make more content. I can change it up and whatnot. But but I'm only one person, even if I am the creator of this podcast. What I need is help from you guys to to beat the algorithm, right? Uh, And ultimately, the best way to do that is a handful of things subscribing to this channel if you haven't already. I'd very much appreciate that. And and like I said, I'm putting out a ton of content that, that I think a lot of you will enjoy. Hit that bell button so that when I do put out new podcasts, you can be the first to be notified. Same thing goes for those of you in the podcast world. Subscribe, and if you can, get some sort of notification when I publish a new podcast. And then finally, share this. Share this podcast with your friends, your family members, in Facebook groups, chat rooms. Um, you can send it as an email, as a, as a submission to various websites such as like a Silver Doctors or something that's, that publishes uh, and shares content from a variety of, of, uh, of, of individuals uh, that, that have their own podcasts, their own YouTube channels, whatever. Those things help me out a ton and ultimately help myself and, and many of my other uh, YouTubers or other podcasters that, that talk about some of these more uh, controversial topics um, have our voice heard by people other than just those that are you know, consistently listening day in and day out. Uh, we need more than that. We need to reach those that, that haven't heard this this message yet. But anyways, moving on to the Federal Reserve. Yesterday, the Fed made an announcement that they are bumping up their the amount of liquidity that they're going to be providing to the financial system in both their overnight and their two-week uh, repo operations. So, Basically, you know, a quick synopsis, repo operations are when the Federal Reserve 
uh, enters into the repo market. Basically, how the repo market works is that uh, there's there's two parties. There's there's a bank, and then there's another entity, another bank, another party, whatever, that are are doing a sort of a swap here. The one side buys assets, usually treasuries, really safe assets like treasuries or something, and provides them with with dollars. But there's an agreement that then those treasuries or whatever asset we're talking about here is going to be bought back usually the next day, sometimes on a longer basis, maybe two weeks later, with a bit of interest attached. And and the problem that has been plaguing the, the repo market for well over a month now has been that there just hasn't been enough people out there willing to be the counterparty in these trades, to provide those dollars and thus liquidity to the system. And so the Fed, as they have in the past, most notably before the financial crisis, before the Great Recession, uh, in the 10 years afterwards, 11 years, they didn't ever really do it much. Um, but prior to, to the financial crisis, they did. They stepped in to provide that liquidity. And yesterday, because of this ongoing lack of liquidity in the system, despite what they've done so far, the Fed raised the amount that they're going to provide on a daily overnight basis, meaning buying these assets, selling them back overnight, to $120 billion. It's up from what they were doing, $75 billion a day. And then in addition to that, they're also doing their their two-week repo operations, which are basically the same thing except two weeks instead of overnight. And they're raising that from $35 billion to $45 billion for their next two operations. And and sort of the the official story here is that this has to do with end-of-month liquidity problems, which is, is, is a fairly common phenomenon. However, in theory, what the Fed has already done, what they started back in September, should have already alleviated these liquidity concerns, and yet they haven't. Like I said, they're basically injecting an additional $45 billion overnight, plus the two, uh, plus $10 billion in two separate two-week operations. That's $20 billion plus, what did I say, four, $45 billion. So $65 billion worth of extra liquidity that they're adding to the system, which is a big deal. And, and it's certainly, from the Fed's point of view and, and from how many entities are out there trying to, to take advantage of this liquidity, it's very much uh, uh, needed. I, won't, I don't want to say the word necessary, but, but the appetite for this is out there, right? They put out their, their overnight operations of $120 billion, and they actually had $89.2 billion submitted, which was not meeting the total amount, 120, but it was in excess of, of what they otherwise would have been doing, 75, meaning they, they wouldn't have been providing as much liquidity to, to satisfy demand. And then, in addition to that, the Fed is also doing their their not QE program. So we have two different things going on here. We have their repo operations, their two-week and their overnight operations. And on that, they continue to, to ramp up how much they're they're doing, like I said, $65 billion increase. But in addition to that, they're also doing uh, what they call not QE, it's basically QE, where they buy treasury bills on a long-term basis, $60 billion a month that they're increasing their, their balance sheet by, 
which means that they go out in, I want to say, five, six billion, maybe seven and a half billion, something like that, increments, um, basically, you know, every so often, where where they put these, um, every week, roughly, they do this twice, where, just like with the repo operations, they go into the marketplace and say, look, we're going to buy this many billion dollars worth of, of treasury bills. And then all of a sudden you have these other market participants that are saying, all right, here's, I'm going to submit my assets, my treasury bills to be bought by the Fed. And again, this is, this is again, the Fed trying to inject liquidity into the system. Treasury bills are, are fairly liquid, but not as liquid as, as cash, right? Furthermore, uh, when, when the treasury buys these bills, they're, they're essentially helping pay the government's bills, <laughs> basically. Treasury bills are basically like short-term treasury bonds. And so they're buying U.S. debt in order to, to, help, uh, to, to help meet the U.S. government's obligations. So why am I talking about this? Why am I, you know, like seven or eight minutes into this video, you know, besides my whole thing early on about beating the algorithm, don't forget to subscribe. Why am I talking about this and why am I, why am I concerned? Why do I think the Fed is panicking about this? Well, there's a couple of reasons. First of all, they continue to, to increase the amount that they're providing to the system. I mean, first they started with their real basic overnight operations. This is back in September. And then they added their two-week operations. They bumped up the amount that they're providing. And now here, again, they're bumping up the, the amount that they're providing to the repo market. And then they're also adding, they also added the QE. This is, this is almost, well, like two weeks ago now that they added their not QE program. They continue to, to up the ante. They continue to provide more liquidity to the system. And what's really fascinating about this is that this is all, for the most part, occurring between Federal Reserve meetings. I think that is fascinating, and that's a warning sign especially this QE program. Repro operations overnight or two week, I get it. Um, I don't want to condone it, but I get that that's short-term type stuff that the Fed wants to get ahead of and they're not going to wait a full month and a half for their next meeting or however long they have to wait. However, it would not be unusual for the Fed to do just that, wait till their next meeting to, to kind of uh, deal with this stuff if it's actually not that serious. That's what the Fed usually does. They try and avoid taking on too much, taking too much action in between the meetings. It reeks of desperation. It reeks of panic. And that's what exactly what they did with the repo operations. And then they did it again with their QE. And again, like I said, it reeks of, it reeks of something. You call it what you want. Desperation, fear, panic, uncertainty. They're throwing what they can at this. And thus far, it's not working. You know, in theory, you know, the, the the official story from the Fed is that back in September when they started these repo operations, this is a problem that should go away pretty soon. Well, here we are, almost to the end of October, and the problem continues to grow. The Fed continues to need to provide more liquidity to the system, and now they're started quantitative easing, at least through the first quarter of 2020. There's something wrong here, and I think the Fed knows that something is wrong here. I don't want to go out and say and give them too much credit and say that they know what is wrong, but they know something is wrong. This reeks of of panic, of of potential crisis 
spreading in the marketplace. And the fact that the Fed can't um, can't satisfy the demand for liquidity, I mean, it makes you really wonder. I mean, the, the, the U.S. financial system, banks as a whole, they have a large amount of reserves. They have a large amount of cash. And in theory, under normal market conditions, the liquidity demands that we're seeing right now in the repo markets and the short-term funding markets, banks should have no problem providing that, especially when you see the rates on these overnight repo market operations, you know, move up to not not the Fed, but but the the market rate, you know, move up well above other short-term interest rates. I mean, short-term interest rates, I'm talking like the Fed funds rate, which is a, what, around 2% right now. Uh, you have like short-term treasuries and all of that. When, when you see all of a sudden the overnight repo rate move up to like 3, 4, 5% as it has in the past, it makes you wonder like what, why would banks not, not be a part of that? That's easy profit in theory, unless there's more risk here than than the Federal Reserve would like us to think. Whether it's that these banks don't actually have that cash, or the banks need that cash because they're worried about a liquidity crunch, they want to stay liquid, they want to stay solvent, or that there is some counterparty risk with these overnight repo operations that these banks, these financial institutions that are have plenty of reserves, plenty of cash that they could lend into the system are worried that if they go out there and, and try and satisfy this liquidity, that they might have to pay for it. That what in theory is a, a sure thing in terms of, of uh, income or in, ter- in terms of, of turning a profit will one of these days turn out to not be a sure thing. So what I'm seeing right now, to summarize, is the Fed, their current actions are reeking of of desperation, of crisis, despite what they're saying. I mean, the Fed is going to continue to paint a, a, a very vanilla, very routine picture of what's going on right now. This is nothing to see here, right? How much have you seen the mainstream media, even like CNBC, or Fox Business, or, you know, how much have you seen them talk about this? I mean, I don't want to say, like, Bloomberg, or I don't want to say CNBC doesn't talk about it, but on their program, or even on their website, it's not super big of a deal, even though this could be signaling a major crisis, financial crisis, that is a brewing. So that's what I'm seeing from the Fed right now and from these financial institutions that are unwilling to satisfy these liquidity requirements in the system. That reeks of, of fear. Fear uh, or potentially something that we don't fully understand because we don't have the data on it regarding about their ability to satisfy liquidity. You know, what if... They don't. I mean, that's something I don't hear talk about too much. That maybe yes, it's there that they're fearful. They're fearful about what's going on in these markets for the reasons I mentioned. But what if it's just that they don't have that liquidity? What if U.S. banks are really not as liquid as we all thought they were? And then there's others, you know, that are theorizing that this could be potentially um, uh, one specific bank, 
that is very distressed right now, Deutsche Bank, uh, that is that the Fed is attempting to provide liquidity to through their through their U.S. branches, right? Deutsche Bank's a German bank, but but they certainly do business in the U.S. Provide liquidity to this to them over the short term to try and alleviate some of these funding pressures around the world. Despite the fact that in theory this should be just a domestic program. When it's all said and done, we don't know all the facts. A lot of this is is more opaque than anything else. Who exactly needs this liquidity? Who is unwilling to provide this liquidity? And does the Fed know what's going on here? Or are they simply seeing these symptoms and they're sort of panicking, they're getting fearful, and they're taking action? We don't know all the details, but what I can tell you is that this is a space to continue to watch. This is a problem that is not going away, continues to get worse. And believe me when I say it can get much worse. The role that fear and uncertainty can play on these types of markets can sap up liquidity very, very quickly. And so it's something to keep an eye out for. As always, thank you, every one of you, for for listening to this podcast. Again, subscribing, hitting that bell button or getting a notification from your podcast app. Um, and, and sharing this with your friends, families, members, elsewhere on the internet helps me out a ton, and I appreciate it very much. As always, thank you from the bottom of my heart for watching this video, listen to this podcast, and God bless.